We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. A question many people have asked me over the years as you talk about projections, you talk about market shares. How do you actually make the projections for NFL? It's entirely complicated, not something that I know how to do. I can see it on a page after the fact and then amend it to what I want. But if you're starting from scratch, how do you do this? And the good thing is you don't actually have to start from scratch. You can go to runthesims.com right now. All of the stock projections are in there at the moment, and you can go amend them any way you want. You can save them, customize them, build your own rankings out just based off of projections. That's what the system is there to do. Now, obviously, during daily fantasy season, you know, when the league actually starts, props, everything like that, you're going to want to get the full package. So runthesims.com slash mayo will get you a discount on all of it. You can do that at the, the, the end of August or whatever it is. You can mess around with the tools for free right now at runthesims.com. Just need just need an email. I'll steal your email. How about that? And trade, you can use the projection system. Justin Freeman, my partner in crime at runthesims.com, the one who makes all of the projections, is on with me to help walk us through. And this is something you've been doing for a long time, right? 
yeah, it's actually kind of how I broke my way into the fantasy industry many, many years ago was by uh, working on projections. I was always the guy who wanted to fire up the really elongated fancy Excel sheet to do all the projections. Um, it, it was just a really cool concept it, and I enjoyed it like working through it one year, enjoyed sort of the way you had to make everything sum up to 100% on every team level. So we'll talk about all that for sure. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun and projections has opened up this whole new way of looking at fantasy football for me. And so it's kind of core in my DNA at this point. So how useful do you think season long projections are as it pertains to either drafting your best ball team, or even like as most people watching this, probably drafting their season long lineups, because projections don't necessarily match rankings, especially the way that a lot of people do rankings. Like, I don't know, for example, I'll go over to runthesims.com right now. So after you customize everything, make everything, you can get your rankings or you can get projections by position at the same time. So let's just click over to running back for a second. You know, half point PPR will sort by the amount of points that we have there. Like Ramondre Stevenson is currently number four. Now, obviously, this doesn't account for the Patriots signing another running back or even Tony Pollard at number three. What if Zeke just comes back out of, you know, bare minimum discount, whatever it might be? Obviously, these numbers change. But you can see the ADP next to them. You know, Stevenson's going at 27 overall. Pollard's going at 22nd overall. I think when people do rankings, you know, like Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be at number three behind McCaffrey and Eckler. That would be my guess at least, although projections are telling me a different story. So how do we actually use the projections while drafting a team and actually making a pick? Yeah, it's a tough balance because projections don't capture a full range of outcomes for a player. They, they capture one range of outcomes for, for each player in each team situation. And those are obviously subject to change. And what I think is more valuable, more valuable than actually the projections themselves is the act of making the projections, like going in there and seeing uh, how much tweaking any one you know lever or knob changes sort of the entire landscape of that particular team or that particular position. And like Bijan Robinson's a perfect example of this. Like Bijan Robinson, rookie running back Atlanta Falcons, a team that's going to run the ball a ton. Yet I'm not projecting the Falcons to be like super explosive offensively. I'm not projecting them to be super uh, high paced or fast or high scoring in that nature. And so you see that like brings Bijan's like baseline expectation down by quite a bit but he's a rookie like he may be highly efficient he may be super explosive and so you can see how quickly his projection can change when you just tweak a single number if you tweak his yards per carry up to five and a half yards a carry because he's a rookie and we don't know how good he is yet or if you tweak his rushing market share up to 70 percent because you know maybe Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier are truly obsolete in this new type of offense but the the, the projections the baseline projections are going to give you a sense of like what the normal situation looks like for each of these players. And so you can see how big projectable volume leads towards these players climbing up in the ranks. Well, I have Atlanta pulled up on the screen right now. So right now, the stock projections, everything needs to equal up to 100%. We can go change this to kind of give us a better picture of it. 59% of the rushing share for Bijan Robinson, 14% for Ritter. Heineke is in at 5% too. How do you get like the, the split between a starter and a backup? Is it just, hey, you know, Ritter might be good. He might get 100% of the snaps, but chances are he either gets hurt at some point or, you know, falters a little bit and maybe Heineke's their guy. 
Yeah, I, I think usually, like if you were to say compare this to the Buffalo Bills where Josh Allen's a quarterback and there's no question marks whatsoever that in a real situation, Josh Allen is the starting quarterback. We have a very, very modest amount going to his backup. But in a situation like Atlanta where Desmond Ritter may not be good, he may not be competent at quarterback. Like we didn't see anything that blew us away last year. He was a third round pick a year ago. They brought in Taylor Heineke, gave him like a reasonable you know, backup type of contract. Like we have Heineke projected for a reasonable workload, giving him 20% of the market share of pass attempts here in this offense. So, you know, essentially you, you reverse engineer that. We're saying, you know, Heineke starts roughly maybe four games uh, if the, if we, you know, think about this season as, as a range of outcomes. But, you know, if you wanted to say Desmond Ritter's the starting quarterback, you toss him in at 98 or 100% passing market share, give him all of Heineke's rush attempts and and see what it looks like from there. But you know, you're right. We've got Bijan projected at 59% of the rushing volume in this offense. And part of that's got to do with the fact that we are projecting a lot of rushing volume going to the quarterbacks here in this particular situation. Desmond Ritter is a guy who we know can run the football and, and probably will. Like he's not the most talented uh, thrower of the football out there. And so he's going to be involved. The question really is to what extent Tyler Algier, Algier and Cordero Patterson are involved. And that's very much up for debate. Uh, Tyler Algier was actually good last year. I, I don't think you put that genie completely back in the bottle, despite how much draft capital you've gotten Bijan. So seeing it right now, I did put in... Desmond Ritter up to 98% of the passing market share. We'll just say he starts all year. That gives him 15% of the market share of rushing, 1% for Heineke. And I was able to use the remainder to bump up Bijan Robinson from 59 to 62. And you can see he went from running back seven to running back six already, just with that extra 3% of market share. Like you said, now maybe he averages five, maybe is a great year, 5.1 yards per carry. Get rid of the non, the non-bread as a part of this. Now, all of a sudden he's running back two if he goes from 4.3 to 5.1, which is kind of crazy to think about that now vaults him ahead of McCaffrey. The, the hardest thing, I mean, because you have the rushing rate for the Falcons at 53%, uh, which you can amend up here, the amount of plays, the amount of touchdowns they score, how many touchdowns they score on the ground. That's all customizable. Where do those numbers come from? Is it you just taking a guess or is it a baseline of what you saw last year with some of the implications of win total and things like that? The baseline place of where we start is like a three-year zoomed out average of, of both the team, the head coach, and the offensive coordinator. So we're taking all of those elements, looking at what that team is projected to look like in the following year based on what's happened in the last three. And of course, last year, 2022, being a little bit more relevant than 2021, which is a little more relevant than 2020. So we're zooming out and kind of putting these on a little bit of a curve in terms of how important they are to projecting out what we're going to see this year. So it's like aging out the old data merging in the new data and thinking about, well, what's what's important? Well, head coach is Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator is Dave Ragon. Like there's, you know, the, the team is the Falcons. Like those things all matter um, in terms of projecting what the team's going to look like. Then you look at what, so you've got like that baseline starting point and then you kind of do a little bit of field-based analysis to say, well, okay, the team did just spend first round draft capital on a rookie running back probably means that whatever we saw them do, which was kind of off the charts last year in terms of rush rate, 
they're, they're doubling down. Like they're, they're going to do that again this year. So, you know, where we'd ordinarily maybe regress that back to the mean, like, no, well, let's actually stick with that. Like a rush rate over 50% is absurd, but the Falcons are going to do it this year because they, everything they've done up to this point has shown it. So there's a little bit of like hard math skills in there, a little bit of soft, like discernment skills in there as well that all kind of like boil together to come what you're seeing on your screen. And then the fun thing is like, you disagree with us, perfect like go ahead like you think they're going to be fast-paced you think they're going to throw the ball all over the place knock yourself out change whatever you want to see how that changes everything so one of the points of contention especially with the falcons that i've gotten into with jake seeley so far when we've been talking through some of the rookies is that i've seen people rank Bijan robinson inside of their top five as it pertains to running back rankings and season long just going forward and it's like, all right, I, I see how he gets there. And they're projecting all this huge volume onto him as well. It's like, oh, out of the running backs, he'll have 85% of the rushing attempts. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Now, he'll have a lot of volume to go. But like you said, they just love running the ball so much that, I mean, even last year when Tyler Algier was kind of the guy, like he was getting up around 20 touches a game, but there was still random, like Cordero Patterson was still getting his seven and some he random other right. Keith Smith yeah. or something like that would end up with like four or five. It's like, all right. So they're not just going to commit to one guy. Now, obviously Bijan's going to be the focal point. This is something we can make a pretty good assumption on, but it's the passing game that I worry about. So right now projected at, you know, let's say 11%, 10.7% in terms of market share of receiving. Now, we don't have them with a rushing rate of 53% and still just over 950 plays. That's not a lot of passing attempts for the Atlanta Falcons to begin with. But from like my history of thinking about Arthur Smith and how he was used, and I think the very stark example we can look at is last year. What do we see from Derrick Henry in his first year without Arthur Smith? All of a sudden, he wasn't a focal point of the passing game, but he actually started being used in the passing game a whole lot more. So I don't know, like maybe the talent overcomes, they design pass plays for Bijan Robinson, but 11% of the market share seems really high to me based on what we know about this offensive system. Like I could see it being like five, 6%, half that. I think you're right because uh, I, I'm really, sometimes what you'll see I'm doing on some of these players is trying to get us more hammered in line with where consensus is and, like, I know I shouldn't be this far behind market on Bijan Robinson. So I'm trying to give him a little bit extra and say, well, maybe he actually is a net positive in the passing game. Uh, and, and maybe I'm underselling him on the ground or whatever. But um, yeah, you, you, you could be exactly right. And I think that's a perfectly fine adjustment to make. Uh, one of the reasons he does grade out a little bit better as a as sort of a, a passing threat is the fact that this team has nobody else <laughs> to throw the ball to. It's two guys on this team. It's Drake London, it's Kyle Pitts, and then like the, a dearth of talent behind those guys. And so Bijan's a capable guy. He's a playmaker. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's all of a sudden the beneficiary of like every third read option in the offense where, you know, Pitts is covered, London's covered. All right, pitch it off to Robinson for a, for a six-yard gain uh, in the passing game. So that's where that's coming from. It's really just that lack of competition. So I, I'm going to drop him down to 6%. Let's say that. So we need to redistribute that 5% elsewhere i think cordero at six percent i think we're just gonna see him line up a receiver a lot and even the fact that they brought in johnny smith into this offense 
you know, he's going to end up like, I, I think the projection is at 10%. That seems about right with Kyle Pitts over double that at 22%, but it just reeks of a lot of 12 formation. Like there's going to have a lot of tight ends on the field or hell, they might have a fucking fullback on the field some of the time. Uh, so that allocation of like dump offs might not necessarily go to B. John Robinson, like a dump off in this system could be a dump off to Johnny Smith because of that. Uh, just because they're going to be short routes on the field and people are scrambling around, this is what we're going to look for. So I'll keep Pitts at the 22%. Make that easy on us. And I'll bump up Janu to 12%. But you're right. That, it is actually hard to disperse the market share without getting like, too crazy. Like, go? Like, like Pitts at 22 sounds right. And Drake London at like 25% of a market share might actually be too low for him based on what we saw last year. Yeah, he, he may project for closer to 30, honestly. Um, but it, it's tough to it's tough to be that bold on a guy. But uh yeah, you're exactly right. There's just, you know, unless you're gonna start ratcheting up Mac Hollins and Kadero Hodge, like I, I just don't see that coming. Like you actually do want your reasonably good players, the players that you think you might draft, to pop out a little bit positively as you're building projections. So I've bumped up Drake London to 28, Johnu to 12, Kyle Pitts at 22. And again, that might be low on Kyle Pitts, but there's only so much volume to go around here. So even though I upgraded London from 25 to 28%, it didn't actually change his projection in terms of where he ranks. He remained, although he scored more points, you can see like right now he has 168.5 half point PPR points at 25%. He has 153.9. So he went from wide receiver 31 to wide receiver 27 based on a bump of 3%. Like that's not, for a 28% market share, that's really low in terms of the overall projection. That's not great news for Drake London because let's say he does get to 30%. We'll just, just jot him in for 30% now. Where does that bring him? Which is an absurd amount. Hell, let's give him 33. Where does that put him? Wide receiver 15 with one third of the team's targets. That's bad. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're like, what the heck is 20% market share? What is a 30? Like, what, what what should this all feel like? Just to give you a bit of a baseline, like 20% is really the threshold you're looking for for maybe, say, that wide receiver two type volume in, in a particular offense. And if you're getting up to 30% and you're talking truly elite market share, there's only a couple guys that are going to eclipse that for their teams uh, any particular year. Like, you think about the way Cooper Cup dominates targets, the way Devontae Adams has dominated targets in the past. Like, we're talking that level production. Production once you get to 30%. And, you know, Drake London was that type of guy in the past uh, last year. He, he flirted with that number because there's not a ton of volume and there's not a lot of options. So for reference to go over to Minnesota right now, because I think that talking through Alexander Madison is a pretty contentious player to go through just because uh, everyone, the market is all, all over the place on him. Like so there's at least one person, probably like three or four people in all honesty, in every single draft that is just going to take Alexander Madison as if he's he's going in the same spot as Tony Pollard in a lot of spots and like worst case you know Pollard's going to be okay whereas worst case like Madison could just be beat out by someone else like he's not great by any means but like Justin Jefferson is the one I wanted to look at like a 27% market share for Justin Jefferson right now and I've just over project and that makes him wide receiver one if people didn't know uh, whereas Drake London at 28% is still number 15, number 16. So there's a crippling lack of upside there. Now that still doesn't mean 
that guys can't be good picks. I mean, if you had wide receiver 15 on your team, that's fantastic news. Uh, that's a great wide receiver two or hell wide receiver three, depending on where they're going. But again, it all depends on where they're going, if that's going to be the upside. And that's why I really like these projections a lot that I can go in and say, all right, what's a great season for this guy? If everything goes right and I can punch in those numbers. So let's try that with, just, I mean, Justin Jefferson, like a regular season for him is a top five season now. Who is a player do you think that we can look at that if they have like one of their outlier seasons? Maybe C.D. Lamb. Is that a good one to go to? Yeah, sure. Let's do C.D. Lamb. Um, and so one of the things you'll notice, like not only can you impact volume being a, a very primary way that, um, you know, we that's the main thing we're trying to project out here is, is volume. Where are the targets going in the offense? Where are the rush attempts going in the offense? But you can also play around with efficiency. And you, you'll see that CeeDee Lamb's already a pretty efficient player. He averages a set. We've got him projected for a 71% catch rate. And that's among the better ones in the league. And it's, I guess, the, the highest one that we have projected on the team outside of the running backs. And so that means that seven out of every 10 targets that come CD lamb's way. Some of which are, we know are just going to be the errant balls near the sidelines that happen to have a CD lamb target associated with them. But he's going to bring in the vast majority of that. That says a lot about how well he, he earns the ability to separate from defenders and is likely to bring in those catches. So, you know, you could play around with that number and say, well, in a bad year, maybe CD lamb only catches 60% of the balls thrown his way. Maybe in a good year, he catches 75%. So you could play around with any of those numbers to, to see how much they affect his ability to finish within the top 12 of the position. Like his baseline comes in around wide receiver six, but it's easy to say, like we've got some targets associated to Brandon cooks, to Michael Gallup, to the tight ends in this offense that may or may not be a part of this. You've got a different play caller. There's a lot of variables that could come into this to say, well, Hey, what, what's keeping this from being the year that CD lamb sees 32% of the targets. Like that's in the range of outcomes. What if he's slightly more explosive? Yeah, I'm going to say, well, let's try to do that. Let's go upside downside with a lot of this stuff. So we yeah. have like you have him at 26.3 market share. Let's say he has 31% this year. Change no other numbers besides that 31%. And, you know, sorry, Jalen Tolbert, you're down at 1%. We got to make this equal up to 100. So we'll drop Jalen Brooks down to 1%. Uh, and we'll just drop Michael Gallup down to 12% just to make things easy on ourselves because we don't really care about those guys. So just the, the shift up for him to 31% of the market share, he's now wide receiver three in the rankings. And the rankings will update in real time and the projections will update in real time once you make your adjustments. So we can see now CeeDee Lamb only comes behind Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup in terms of overall points. He would have 271.7 in half point PPR, which is pretty close to Cooper Cup. It's only seven points behind. Still, I want to say significantly behind Justin Jefferson, but 20 points behind overall. So it's about you know, one point, what, two points per week, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, it sounds fairly insignificant, but when you're talking about where their medians lie, it actually turns out to be a, a pretty significant number, uh, which just goes to show just how well Justin Jefferson projects. Like you can change several things about his season. You could ding his market share. You could ding his catch rate. And, and you could see that he would still uh, be the number one receiver. It just goes to show how locked in he is to that role. Um, but heading, heading back over to CD Lamb, yeah, you made him 31%. But if, if we just sort of hit that reset button over in the right-hand corner to get the, the Cowboys back to where they were, 
uh, he's back at 26%. Like what if he, you know, what if he pulls a hammy? What if he misses a significant portion of the year? What if he's just down to like a reasonable 20% because Brandon Cooks is actually still good uh, and he's in there playing. So if we change that market share to 20%, we see that CD Lamb all of a sudden becomes wide receiver 14. So he's not even a wide receiver one anymore. He's more like a wide receiver two. Um, and, and, you know, it just doesn't take much. It just goes to show you how fragile the projections can be and how important it is to do a thorough job and farm out the the opportunities in the offense. Because I can't tell you how often I'll see somebody post, you know, uh, th their theoretical projections uh, for a particular team and the, the touchdowns don't add up. Like you think Dak Prescott's going to be mediocre, but you think C.D. Lamb's going to be amazing. And you think Jake Ferguson's going to be amazing and Tony Pollard's going to be amazing. But uh, it's like, well, this, it all has to add up to the same number at the end of the day. And that's kind of what this format allows you to do. See, I, I love that a lot. So just looking at the overall projections now, we had him at 271 with a 30% market share. You drop him to 20% off of his 26. But you said he's wide receiver number 14 now, and he's scoring about 80 fewer fantasy points in half point PPR. That's outrageous. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Exactly. And I mean, you think about how this is scheduled, like, and you also like it. It doesn't give you the final answers to the test. Yes, it puts them in order. Yes, it gives you rankings at the end. But if you're thinking the reason C.D. Lamb is down to a 20% market share is because he's, you know, he gets injured, you know, and this works a lot better for a more like notoriously injury prone player, uh, quote unquote, like maybe Christian McCaffrey had that reputation up until last year. Um, Yeah, you, you can see that like, well, that player still helps you out a lot. In the weeks that they're that they're active, and and to call him the same as the guy who plays 17 games and scores that same number of fantasy points is it's not quite apples to apples in terms of roster building. So there's there's still a lot of uh, a lot of soft skills required to play the game of fantasy football, even once you do have really good projections. So let's put a theoretical question in here because obviously the Cowboys have not signed another running back outside of Ronald Jones. They have Deuce Vaughn, Malik Davis is still sticking around, Uncle Rico still just, you know, he'll get his 1%, he'll get his three carries this year and be on his way. So Tony Pollard, who ranks out in projections as running back number three, is looking at a 51 market share percent of the rushing, 40% of the rushing touchdowns on the ground, 13% of the receiving game. Let's just pretend for a moment Deuce Vaughn and the numbers we have in for him is Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette or random veteran running back who they bring in. Obviously, a new offensive coordinator. How are we going to run things? How are we going to look at it? Do you think that a 51% share with one of these veteran running backs who gets brought in is still in the cards for Tony Pollard or all of a sudden is he like maxed out at 45% at best? Yeah, it's funny. As you do this a lot, you get used to like numbers that stick in your head. 47% was the number that stuck in my head as you're painting this imaginary situation of like this replacement level veteran running back. Maybe it's Kareem Hunt. You know, there's a few of those guys sitting out there right now. But yeah, so we have made some assumptions here about Pollard's workload. And I don't think I'm being overly bullish in saying 51% for, for a guy of his caliber, especially compared to who he's got around him. But yeah, let's say Kareem Hunt's in there and now we drop him down to a 47% uh, rushing load. And now all of a sudden he's still at running back three. Now, obviously that's, that's going to impact likely his market share of receiving his market share of touchdowns, but yeah, let's just take his market share of receiving down to 9% in this scenario. And you see, that was actually the thing that did it. So we've got him now at 47% rushing, 9% receiving. He went from RB3 to RB8. And that shows you how important that receiving load is in projecting his uh, his volume in this offense. And Pollard has historically had a really strong receiving profile as he shared workload along with Ezekiel Elliott in this offense. That's been sort of his calling card. So I think it's right to project him for a sizable receiving load in this offense. So what do you do now that they do have a different type of offense? Theoretically, they're going to like, it's not going to be a Kellen Moore offense anymore. It's going to be whoever the hell they brought in. I can't remember who it is at this point. But well, be- you got Mike McCarthy is really going to be the guy calling the shots in the offense. Um, so yeah, it could, it could change for sure. Um, so the thing that I would be worried about is like, we have Pollard in at five yards per carry. Cause that's been sort of his, his historic baseline, but as a second running back or, you know, a one B type player, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lamar Miller when he ended up going to Houston. We love Lamar Miller in Miami. It's like, Oh my God, give this guy 20 touches a game. And he's going to be off the charts. And people are drafting him inside the top five at running back. 
and he just lost all of his efficiency. Like he wasn't averaging 5.5 yards per carry anymore. It was like 3.1, uh, even though his, his everything doubled for him. So let's say the efficiency isn't there for him. I want to see how big of a factor this plays. Let's say instead of five yards per carry, it's 4.3. Doesn't sound like much. Still pretty good, but 4.3. So now with the decrease in market share receiving down to 47%, 4.3. And I don't think these are like particularly pessimistic numbers potentially for tony pollard either like they they seem somewhat realistic if no one else is brought in now all of a sudden he's running back number 11 in this offense or in in the league in terms of fantasy which puts him in the range of like Brees hall alexander madison etn gibbs josh jacobs rather than being in the mix and chub ramondre tier yeah exactly right so i mean it now, granted, we've picked three things that have to go wrong for Tony Pollard for this to happen. He has to be inefficient. He has to have a, a decrease in the rushing expectation and a decrease in the receiving expectation. And he's still a low-end running back one. That, to me, sounds like a pretty good profile of a guy I want to be targeting, specifically where he's going in drafts. Now, you mentioned a couple other guys there, Joe Mixon being one of them, who has uh, – I think Ramondre maybe was the other one, but Joe Mixon has a, a very wide range of outcomes too. His are maybe not, not necessarily as much football related, but yeah, like um, you can kind of go through and play with some of these guys and see what happens when they miss significant amounts of time. Yeah. I mean, do we think that anything actually happens to Joe Mixon? I don't. I mean, I, I think he's, he still remains like one of the last cheat codes remaining in best ball drafts for people doing those this, this time of year, like, I don't quite understand what we're waiting on. Like the, the opportunity for like legal trouble to hit or the team to drop him has mostly passed. And every day that goes by gets a little bit more assured that nothing is going to happen. The team's moved on from Samaj P. Ryan, the biggest threat he had. Uh, I don't think there's a comparable talent behind him at this point. I think he projects like a stud, honestly. And I'm not sure what's holding people back at this point, other than he's been pretty inefficient. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what happened to Elvin Kamara a year ago where people were just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then they were just like, ah, we'll deal with that next year. Yeah. You've priced in all of the risk and none of the upside. So yeah. Why not cash in on that upside while we sit here and wait? Yeah. Looking at Mixon right now, current ADP of 52 and a half. So, you know, fifth round, essentially beginning of the fifth round it projected as running back number five. And it's not with like outrageous volume, like 56% of the market share of rushes. That's after giving Burrow 17% and a backup 1%. Like that, that number could be higher. Absolutely. Like when we saw Joe Mixon healthy last year, he's easily eclipsing that 60% uh, mark most weeks. And so um, you get rid of his major competition and, I don't know. I don't know a ton about Chris Evans, Chase Brown. I've heard like slightly positive things about Travion Williams. Maybe you can go ahead and give him a little bit of rushing love. Uh, but yeah, the team desperately needs a running back too. And they moved on from the one they had. They owe Joe Mixon too much money to do anything else at this point. They've got to play the guy and they'll run him into the ground. Like I think when you get guys that are in the last year of their deal, the team has no incentive to lighten their load whatsoever. Um, yeah, you, you can see some big seasons. Joe Mixon's playing for that second contract and uh, the, the Bengals have nothing to lose in giving him every, you know, every uh, handoff that they can give him. I think it's interesting. I want to take a look at Cleveland for a moment and take a look at Nick Chubb. Obviously, no more Kareem Hunt around. Great news for Nick Chubb. Going at pick number 18 overall, projected as running back number four. And that's with an 8.1% market share of receptions. Do we think he's actually going to get there? Or are they just going to turn 
the the metric Felton or the hell that guy's name is into into someone who has like 10% of the market share out of the backfield. I can't really remember if Watson was a big check down guy at his peak. Yeah. I don't think that's like his calling card for sure. I think uh, there's reason to be optimistic on Amari Cooper once again in this offense, but in terms of the passing game, I think 8% market share for Nick Chubb is sufficient. Uh, I, I don't think it's like alarmingly positive or negative for him based on what he's done so far. He's been a pretty capable pass catcher whenever he's had to do it. They just seem to never really want him to because they've always had another guy to do it. Jerome Ford is the guy that everybody's super excited about. He's a younger player. Obviously, there's not as much tape on him, uh, but I have him projected for sort of RB2 duties at this point. Demetric Felton, when he played last year, was uh, as much a wide receiver as he was a running back. So uh, I don't think he's a really big threat to steal the same types of touches that would typically go to Nick Chubb, whether it be run game or pass game and so yeah like it just kind of depends when you're projecting out these running backs how extensive do you want to project out the receivers and sort of work backwards from there obviously this team inherited elijah Moore from a trade from the jets this past summer or excuse me this summer and so yeah figuring out where does he slide in how much targets uh can can he possibly give to this receiving core uh what's changed at the tight end you still have david and joku and harrison bryant there but the dynamic will be a, a little bit different compared to years past so um, yeah, I don't think I feel like the 8% target share for Chubb is completely optimistic. I think that's pretty baseline. See, I can see that as well. So I want to take a look at Derrick Henry for a moment too, because I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. I haven't done my rankings yet, but I feel like I want to be higher than the market on Derrick Henry, who's currently going at pick number 25. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's also best ball when people are trying to get their stacks together. Quarterbacks go higher in best ball than they would in your redraft fantasy league. So I still think that Derrick Henry will probably be up 10 spots or so, like a back end second round, middle of the second round type pick in your season long fantasy formats this year. I get him at running back number eight right now. It's tough to parse. Like, I mean, 62% rushing. Like, I, I just don't see now that like we're looking at it a little bit more, like where does the upside really come from? Like with a 62% rush market share of the rushes, that's pretty high. It's one of the highest in the league, almost a 50% market share of the rushing touchdowns. I mean, I guess you could argue that's low on the Titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm looking at his rushing touchdown market share. What's funny is like you, when you have this many data points on every player, you, you don't nail them all across the board. And so I'm looking at this and saying, I want to pinpoint this thing. 48% of the teams of, of the team's rushing touchdowns go to Derrick Henry. That feels low to me. I think that should be more of a number that matches his 62% rushing share and maybe even flirts above that, like more like 65. So what happens if we change that market share of rushing touchdowns from, from 48 to 65? Now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing him at uh, RB6 when we do that. And so that's one small change. Like the touchdown efficiency goes in Henry's favor. All of a sudden, he's going to grade out a lot better. Yeah, yeah. He goes to running back number six. And we take a look at that, how that actually comes out. You know, that puts him just, you know, slightly ahead of Saquon Barkley by about seven points and like five points behind Mixon and Chubb and Ramondre. So realistically, you, know, you bump that up one more point, all of a sudden he's running back number three. Like th- this is how I like to build. This is what I did the last past two years. I've been very successful at doing it is like building these upside downside cases. What does a player realistically need to do to jump in? If everyone's baseline, everyone plays to the baseline. What are we now looking at for a player to achieve, to outperform the average draft position? I mean, not getting injured is usually step one, but there's only so much control 
that you can have over that. Eckler is one I want to look at right now because projected as running back number one. I have my, I've brought this up a few times and it doesn't really seem, it sticks with some people. It doesn't stick with other people, but with a Joe Lombardi led offense, and maybe this is just indicative of the chargers because we saw it with Phillip rivers as well. They love checking down to their running back. Well, Kellen Moore doesn't love checking down to his running back. That's not a essential part of the offense. Like it has been for the chargers. So what if Eckler just merely goes from a 16% market share to a 10? What happens then? He's running back eight. It's major. It shows you like these well-rounded dynamic running backs who have strong passing profiles and rushing profiles. That, that passing side, that receiving side helps them so much in terms of climbing up the leaderboard. And yeah, like if, if Austin Eckler is not catching balls, he's a worthless, I mean, relatively worthless fantasy asset. And granted, <laughs> he's still a bottom end running back one, but like that's what makes him special. That's what makes him dynamic. You're not drafting Austin Eckler because of his Derrick Henry like skill set they're different guys so yeah you cut his market share of targets by a third and it's going to ask absolutely crush his draft value yeah so take to take a look at the updated projection he's behind Bijan Robinson right now um and you know he still has 66 targets he still has 55 receptions over almost 450 yards receiving like that would be a down year for Austin Eckler in the receiving game but it's not inconceivable with a new offensive coordinator. Then they go out and draft a player to stretch the field for them. Like intuitively that makes some sense to me. Yeah, it could happen. I would say I'm not a big believer in the coordinator's ability to um, affect whether or not the ball is going to the running back or not. Like, I don't think that tracks by coordinator. I think that's a quarterback preference because typically you're not drawing up plays for the running back to get the football. Like you're the, the quarterbacks getting to the running back in the passing game as a last resort, as things are breaking down around them. And Austin Eckler is so good at getting himself open. Now, granted, you're, you're going to have your designed screens. You're going to have your plays that are obviously designed for Eckler in the past game. But, and I think those will continue to be there. Eckler just earns his targets more than any other running back. I can see it too. And I mean, the offensive line for the chargers, well, they continue to sign guys and draft guys. It just gets beat up after week one, and then it's no good anymore. You would have to think, I mean, I don't have the numbers on me. You might actually know this. What a poor pass-blocking offensive line. Is there a direct correlation to running back receptions out of that? Yeah, you know, I've not studied that, but that would that tracks mentally for me, uh, where like the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball somewhere. And we see it's like those short areas of the field. It's the the tight ends across the middle and the running backs out in the flats who can tend to benefit in that. That that really comes to light a lot in the sort of two minute drills from any offense, for that matter, where the pressure's dialed up. Everyone knows the ball's getting put in the air. And then those are the areas of the field that tend to be the most open and available when you're off script. I want to see if we can get Anthony Richardson to be a top 10 quarterback. Do you think, do, you think, hey, do you think that's possible this year? Oh, absolutely. And um, I think, I think doing so is, is pretty easy. I think if we actually calculated ours out on a per game base, we'd probably have them there uh, right now, really close to the top 10. Uh, but we haven't projected to miss some games this year with Gardner Minshew to open the season. And you'll see that I, I'm pretty conservative across the board with the rookie quarterbacks in terms of how we're projecting their volume to go throughout the season. So it's really easy for your Bryce Youngs, 
um, your uh, pretty much any of these young CJ Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, even Will Levis, if you want to go crazy with him, uh, wouldn't recommend it. But you could easily just change the market share of passes to 98 or 100 percent for those guys and be most of the way there. So let's do that. Anthony Richardson, 98% passing market share. And now he's also up to, he just, he moves up 10 spots just by doing that, by playing. Okay. And, and listen, when they announced Gardner Minshew as the week one quarterback, then obviously that's not going to be the case anymore. But let's say tomorrow that's that they do announce Anthony Richardson is starting week one. That's not to say that he doesn't get hurt or benched at some point. But let's just say if he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback, he's going to play all the games. That's essentially what it has to boil down to. So if we're thinking about that, so we have a 98% passing market share. We had 3% for Minshew. So let's just drop him down to 1% rushing. Do we just give that 2% to Anthony Richardson? Absolutely. Yeah. And so now we've got Anthony Richardson at 31% of the team's rushing volume uh, at five yards a carry, 5.1 yards per carry. And he's still not grading out very well. So we're like, okay, well, what's going on here? What are we missing? Uh, what's going to happen? And I think it's the fact that we're still a little bit light on rushing share for Anthony Richardson based on what we think his skill set is. So I think in a situation where Richardson plays the entire year, not only is he still in those Minshew uh, rush attempts away, he's going to start to inch in a little bit more into Jonathan Taylor's workload. And I think his true rushing market share is more like 34%. So why don't we try that and we'll get Jonathan Taylor down to 54. And now we're summed up to 100. But here's the other thing touchdowns who's going to score touchdowns when anthony richardson's the the quarterback on the ground uh anthony richardson is so let's give him that 34 percent rushing touchdown market share to match his volume number that's obviously going to come at the uh consequence of jonathan taylor and let's just say let's let's make jonathan taylor 54 percent just to to round out there so it right, hasn't so really he's still at 18 at the mm-hmm. moment i think what we can do is say that the rushing touchdown rate for the Colts, if Richardson starts all year, is no longer 45%. It's probably like 60%. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's do that. So we'll up that. So we have his TD market share and the rushing rate of up to 54%, let's say now, uh, to keep it going. So he's still stuck around quarterback number 19. So this might be a, a harder ask than maybe I thought. Maybe his yards per carry at 5.1. Maybe that's if we expect him to break a few big like I, I'm trying to say, how do we replicate what Fields did last year and project that onto Anthony Richardson? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like I must be missing something here because I would expect him to be much higher. I'm looking at him on the quarterbacks list and seeing where he's deficient. And it looks like it's in these passing touchdowns. Oh, so that's OK. Passing touchdowns somehow aren't going to him. Interesting. We can just press the boost number anyway, boost him up a bit. Now, if we give him three boost flames next to his name, all of a sudden he's a quarterback number 10. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the lack of touchdowns in the offense right now that's kind of crushing him right now. Yeah, so that, that I mean, that's really interesting to look at because I, but this is an exercise that I wanted to have of how can we project this out to get him there? And it's going to be very difficult for him to get there. So just take a look at what he's doing on the ground, just on the ground. So Jalen hurts someone who you're primarily not primarily going for, because obviously he's coming around with a lot of passing as well, but in terms of his rushing, you know, 817 yards on 158 attempts and 12 or 11 touchdowns on the ground. That's a lot. Uh, It's going to be hard to replicate that, but we know that he can get there. 
when we take a look at Anthony Richardson, we have him at 165 rushes for a thousand yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Unfortunately, through the air, it's 3,000 yards and 13 touchdowns, not what we're seeing with Jalen Hurts of 4,200 yards and 31 passing touchdowns. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so that rushing, the rushing volume only gets you so far if you can't throw for any passing touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, it's realistically like his numbers aren't that far off, like what I have projected right now than what we have Fields projected for. Like Fields is 161 for 11077. Six and a half touchdowns. Richardson's slightly behind that with slightly more touchdowns on slightly more carries. But just to give you some context, Fields actually projects for less in terms of yardage, but just more touchdowns. Like Anthony Richardson's 13 touchdowns is an abomination for any of the starting running backs or starting quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. So playing with that touchdown number is going to be key in terms of projecting out these quarterbacks. And that's a tough thing to try to nail down. And it's odd, too, because if you were to start Anthony Richardson on a weekly basis or even just play him on DraftKings, you probably wouldn't even want him passing all that much. You would just hope that you played him during the four rushing touchdown game. Exactly right. Yeah, if, if it's anything like Justin Fields in terms of the way he's accumulated fantasy points, then, yeah, you you don't want those uh, 275-yard passing days. You want those 135-yard rushing days with two tutties on the ground. So let's take a look at Alexander Madison because I completely forgot that I had brought up his name and to go back and look at him. 59% rushing share of the offense. Let's pretend for a minute that he's not that great, which evidence would lead us to believe that he's not that great. He's good. He may be, yeah. Not, probably <laughs> a reason that he's been a backup running back his entire career. And we've seen him fail in spots. I mean, that was always the, that was the big thing with Pollard last year that everyone was sort of pensive about, which made him just a smash DraftKings play, especially the first week when he was the starter. It's like, oh, well, you know, these guys fail in these spots all the time. It's a good, even though he might get the volume, he's just not that good. It's a great time to fade him. Da 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 da. And that's happened with Madison before where he's been like 70% played on a slate and he has like eight fantasy points despite having 20 carries. Now, obviously he's going to be better than that, but if it's not him going through everything and being running back number 13. So let's try to figure out how he fails. A, they could bring in another running back. He could get hurt. Those are probably the two main ways that he fails. But if it, everything is constructed as it is right now, what can we, how can we massage these numbers to say Madison had a bad season? Yeah, as you look at, like, what did the team do during the draft? They drafted Dwayne McBride in the seventh round. Not a ton of draft capital invested at the running back position. But you never know. A rookie could come in and really shake things up. Uh, but Kenny Nwangwu was the guy they drafted last year. And so – he is the he's like a speedster guy, like absolute blazer, like one of the fastest players in the NFL. So maybe he actually carves out a role and makes it a little bit more like a timeshare. So what if instead of 59% uh, rushing share for Alexander Madison, it was more like 45% rushing share for him? So that subtracts 14 points, which we're going to give to Kenny Nwangwu and get him up to 33. And then we're also going to uh, do the same thing with the touchdown market share. Let's get Madison's touchdowns uh, market share to 50 and then add uh, Nwangwu up to 27 or let's see, 28% will make it balance actually. Yeah. 28%. Uh, so so yeah. we'll go to 28%. So now all of a sudden with just, and I mean, it could be anyone who eats into this. It doesn't need to be him. It just, yeah, it just and, and I mean, 45% of the overall rushing share of a team that includes the quarterbacks and any receiver touches as well. So that's probably, I mean, just looking at it, what, like 60%, 65% of the running back market share alone? 
Uh, now he's running back number 22. And that's still yeah, exactly. accounting for 50% of the team's rushing touchdowns. With the same receiving profile as we're expecting for him as a lead back. So if he's more of a, a timeshare back, there's reason to believe that could in- decrease a little bit as well. So uh, yeah, RB22 is basically unusable given where Madison's going in the draft currently. So uh, yeah, you, you got to proceed with caution in that type of scenario. But uh, you know, another thing to keep in mind is like, we're not drafting for downside too. Like we want to understand the range of outcomes, but most of the cases, like even if you're playing a 12 team fantasy league, much less like a hundred thousand player best ball tournament, like your idea is to draft players who do have uh, unique levels of upside. And I think the the bull case you'd tell yourself with Madison is there's very few people that actually appear to be standing in the way between him and having a very high volume season on offense that could score a lot of points with Justin Jefferson there. Um, you know, if, if he can just get on the right side of touchdown variance where Jefferson gets him down the field 20 yards at a time and they're living in the red zone, then of course, Alexander Madison is going to pick up some of those touchdowns. So it's just a matter of telling yourself those two same uh, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, you, you need uh, Justin Jefferson to have that Kelvin Johnson year where he was tackled at the one-yard line eight times. <laughs> exactly, and then you want that running back for a single time. And Yeah, uh, yeah the I, Lions, I mean, the Lions pretty... did it again really last year with like Jamal Williams scoring was at 17 touchdowns or something absurd. Like that that one is – I don't even know how you project a bad team. Like I just have no clue what to like, – I, I see that Olave is inside the top 10 of receivers in terms of project – number seven right now because we had bumped down cd lamb based on what we had done a little bit earlier like i know that he's good but if you told me michael thomas was the one getting all the targets for no apparent reason like i would believe that absolutely yeah so that's that's one of those extremely fragile ones where i wouldn't exactly draft according to the way the projections shake out like he and he and garrett wilson are always thrown into the same sentence with each other every time without fail because they're both rookies both had phenomenal years both were in the contention for offensive rookie of the year last year and uh, i think they should be going very very close to each other in drafts and i think there's a lot more reason to believe that garrett wilson's role is more stable than alave's even though alave grades out a little bit better in the the baseline projections as we have them right now. And early drafters have found that too. Garrett Wilson going at pick 13 overall, Olave going at pick 19 overall. Yeah. What's the highest you've seen Madison go? Have you looked into that? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure because his ADP has shifted a lot in the last, say, seven days since Dalvin Cook's been gone. Uh, so I think he's probably starting to creep up a round or two ahead of uh, where he was going just a, a week ago at this time. Yeah, I, I can take a look in high stakes league. So if you go to NFC... If I had just typed in ADP standings is what I want to look at. And I can do from, let's say, June 1st. That, that's around when it happened, right? Yeah. So, and we'll just look at running backs. Submit. And we'll see. Uh, maybe it's not as high as maybe I had originally thought. Where the hell is he? Madison. He's running back number 24, so maybe he hasn't gotten out of control. I've done some best ball drafts where he's going to pick like 30. You know, I just it was blowing my mind. Yeah, as high as 33 in some drafts. So this is still accounting before Dalvin Cook. So he was still going a lot lower. So let's go just to the past week and see what's going on with him to see if that moves the needle a little bit. Yeah, I never know how the best ball sites are updating ADP, like what time frame they're looking at. His ADP hasn't changed as much as I would have thought it has. But uh, at the same time, like they may still be zoomed out on like a three week long sample size. But yeah, it's definitely coming down. But I think a lot of people understood that this Dalvin Cook situation was kind of playing out this way the entire time. Um, yeah, that he was not likely to be long for the Vikings. 
it's just funny to see like the like the high low end on everything like cam Akers is actually being drafted on average one spot ahead of him yet madison's going as high as 33rd as low as 82nd where Akers, the highest anyone is taking him is 53 i think that's actually a good comp to him is cam Akers. exactly right like where there's a vacuum of talent. It seems like he's the guy. It He should theoretically be the guy on an offense that maybe has a little bit of question marks, especially in LA um, and talent that may or may not be there. Like there's, there's question marks everywhere from, from role to talent. And, uh, and yeah, so they feel like very similar players. Maybe, maybe Madison has a slightly better receiving profile, but, but overall, yeah. Um, and a better team profile, but yeah, that, that Ram situation, I mean, who's to say they don't start cooking with gas here soon, too? Last year was painful. Well, yeah, I'm like, if Stafford comes back and he's fine, I feel like every Ram is wildly undervalued. And the, our, my numbers would show that right now. Like Cooper Cup, I think, is even undervalued where he's going in the first round. Uh, I actually had him at wide receiver one up until relatively recently when I went through and changed some things to to get Justin Jefferson bumped up. But Cooper Cup's going to lead the league and and target market share for as long as he stays healthy. Like that's that's one area. Like he's just who's the wide receiver two in LA? Tutu Atwell, Van Jefferson. Like there's there's literally nobody. The tight end Tyler Higby. He's He's super undervalued. Like I've got him at tight end eight right now. You can get him at spot 148 in drafts right now. I don't, I don't quite understand why he's going there unless people are just completely out on the Rams. Well, it's unsexy for one thing, but that, that would have to be, if you ended up with like pick number six in a best ball draft, building out your Ram stack is probably one of the most cost-efficient ways to do that. You spend the first round pick on cup. He's going to be good anyway. Then hell, you know, rounds 14 and 18 take Higby and take Stafford and be on your way. At least you have that one locked up. And even in a season long league, like someone like Higby, I do think actually presents a lot of value on a week to week basis because people don't like shitty teams anyway, but we've seen route trees like this and market shares like this in the past. I always point to, and it is a much better example would be Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree uh, when they were with the Raiders, where they just combined for like 60% of the market share. Like it didn't matter if the passing game was good or bad. They just got their numbers every week. Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas with like Tim Tebow throwing, maybe not Tim Tebow throwing the ball. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle last year, a perfect example of those two guys. Like just get the two guys that get the entire offense and don't worry about the rest of those fringe players. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the Rams could be like the minor league version of that this year. Like there's going to be four guys on this team who touch the ball. Stafford every time, cup most of the time, and then Akers and Higby. Yeah, exactly. So easy game. And like I know he's not sexy, but he can be that floor guy um, to get you your points each and every week to let you swing for the fences on a guy like Kyle Pitts or a guy like, um, you know, maybe some of those other guys, maybe a Kittle or somebody like that, a high profile guy. But he'd be a guy you can count on to get you your four catches for 45 yards and zero touchdowns. Are we doing pits again this year? I'm not on pits this year. Like I, that, that total, like this is one of those where everything doesn't add up. Like, Pitts is going to be great. Drake London is going to be great. And Bijan Robinson is going to be great. But the Falcons are going to be very mediocre and not very good as a team. Like that, that story does not add up. And uh, I'm just out on all the Falcons, I think. Okay. And they're all going, I mean, they're all pretty 
they're just going so high. <laughs> like, what's the difference in the Falcons and the Rams? Like, just give me, give me, give me the Rams at a discount rather than the Falcons at a premium. Like, I, it's just all the shiny new toys play for the Falcons right now, and all the old dusty toys that score lots of fantasy points play for the plays for the Rams. That's actually a really good comp. Like, it's just the Rams are the unexciting Falcons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they they'll probably be about as good as each other this year. <laughs> okay, so last one, New Orleans. This running back situation. I, I have to know how you came to these numbers because I tried to start messing around with it and trying to project out what I think is going to happen. I was like, I don't have any clue what's going to happen. So Jamal Williams, 33%. Yeah. Uh, Kendry Miller, 20%. Kamara, 18%. Eno Benjamin, my guy, 3%. Like, it's all over the place. It, it's nuts because you've got to figure in Taysom Hill into the equation as well. Like this is still the saints and, you know, Dennis Allen's going to ensure Taysom Hill and his, you know, uh, protege uh, or predecessor, um, uh, Sean Payton's offense gets his 15% rushing share. So you got to give him his rushing love on the ground as well. So uh, Kendrick Miller was a third round pick. That's significant draft capital in terms of fantasy football standards. Uh, he will play this year. Alvin Kamara has this vague legal situation hanging over his head. It remains to be seen how much he'll be involved. Jamal Williams was brought in on a relatively large free agent deal from Detroit. So um, there's reason to think like he'll at least absorb the brunt of the work on the ground, but yeah, like if Alvin Kamara plays 17 games this year, like uh, I don't know why we're not just jamming him, but uh, if he's another situation, I guess, like Mixon, but we are anticipating um, some level of sus suspension for Alvin Kamara. So when you go into drafts and like that one can be not necessarily expected, but we do think that something is going to happen. He's going to miss you know, a chunk of the season, all of the season, whatever it might be. What I guess the question is, I I'm okay with wasting a pick on someone like that if it's at the right spot. So right now, ADP, what is it? 101. So let's say 10th round pick, 11th round pick, something like that. I guess my question to make it worth your while would be, if he does play all 17 games, what does that do to his numbers in this offense, considering they drafted a third round running back, signed a high-priced free agent at running back, have Taysom Hill? Like, How good could he realistically be? Well, if we look at what he's done in the past, he's been a guy who averages double digit percents in the in the passing game. Um, he averaged about 18 percent of targets in games he played in last year, which is a really significant number. And it's one of the reasons Chris Olave grades out so well this year is because we're not giving as much love to the running back position on a team that doesn't include Alvin Kamara. So, like, let's just play around with this thing. And let's give Alvin Kamara sort of his old rollback, which was probably about a 40 percent rushing market share. And let's just give him 40 percent of the touchdowns while we're at it. And then also let's give him uh 14% of the of the receiving share and 14% of those touchdowns to go along with it just to keep things simple. And now he's up into RB14 just by changing those handful of things at a what's really a significant uh workload reduction from last year, but still keeps him in sort of the reasonable range. So you see, like if he plays, he's gonna be good and he's gonna be useful. Um, I think obviously Alvin Kamara playing is going to keep Kendra Miller on the bench even if he is a third round pick Jamal Williams will be the guy used in sort of short yardage situations the way Mark Ingram used to be in that offense uh and they've sort of rotated guys in and out of that role over the years but yeah like uh, Alvin Kamara in, in a full season is would be an absolute smash at pick 101 it's that looming uh downside uh that we don't exactly know what to expect that keeps him from being drafted in that range
The only thing that I would caution uh, with Jameis starting at quarterback is that when you take a look at Kamara's numbers from last year, and I don't know what the split is, I'd have to dig into it a little bit more, are the amount of targets per game he saw with Jameis at quarterback versus Dalton. Because Jameis historically hates checking down to running backs. Exactly. So, I mean, he, he should be, I think 14% of targets would be uh, a pretty big downgrade for Alvin Kamara based on the, the reasonable expectations. Derek Carr, um, you know, I don't have a real strong preference into what he means in terms of what he's going to do to this offense. I think it'll look relatively similar to the way it looked last year, but uh, I think Carr is obviously a, at least a somewhat small upgrade on this, on this team's overall profile and has boosted their sort of touchdown and pace outlook by quite a bit. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it's funny because, you know, historically you would think that Derek Carr is not someone who loves to check down because of, you know, the years of Josh Jacobs just never getting any receptions. They, they bring in a new coordinator, all of a sudden they throw to Josh Jacobs. And it's like, okay, he can do that. It's fine. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, when it turns out when you got really good players to catch the ball out of the backfield, you throw it to those guys quite a bit more. So Alvin Kamara checks that box as well. That he does. But I'll, although it's really hard to project him at like a 40% market share of the touchdowns on the ground when Jamal Williams is on the team, knowing that he's going to have a hundred percent of the touchdowns on the ground somehow. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah, Alvin Kamara, one of the more fragile projections you could possibly get to, but I mean, overall it kind of goes back to the bigger picture of our conversation today, which is uh, it doesn't take, but a very small change to really ripple throughout the entire thing. You change one thing on one player on one team. Not only does it impact sort of where that player falls, within the team dynamic, but also what the entire rest of that position group ranking set looks like from top to bottom, above and below them. It changes it all. So uh, yeah, just keep that in mind that um, find guys on teams who could ab absolutely catch a little bit of positive variance, like where the, the thing they need to happen isn't the craziest thing in the world. Maybe there's a, a guy in front of them that's not that talented, but everybody thinks is going to be the guy. Those are the types of players that could absolutely bust and erupt, and especially at the running back position. Yeah, one thing that I really like to do, and again, you can go to runthesims.com right now to sign up through email. Use all of these, save all your stuff for free, and make your own rankings that you can just print out into a very handy, bring it to your draft with you. Just have them up on the screen. It makes it very simple to you. So I highly recommend that you do. You can even download them right here and just print them off or bring them with you on your phone, whatever it might be. Uh, Let's say Josh Allen pulls a Tom Brady in 2007, blows his knee out in week one. I, that's always one thing that I really, I mean, I don't love to do it, but just to give myself as it pertains to guys that I care about, like I care about Stefan Diggs this year. How good is Stefan Diggs really going to be? He's wide receiver five, 25% of the market share. All right. Let's say Josh Allen only gets 1% of the passing market share and Matt Barkley gets 99%. So we'll just put it in that way. We don't care about the running backs right now, so we're not going to take out Josh Allen. Now we need to think, how does that affect everyone? So I doubt they score 56 touchdowns. If that's the case, they probably score, what's like the sort of the baseline of a crappy yeah. offense? Like 40? Call it 35 or 40, yeah. Yeah, we'll call it 40. So if just that happens. And that's probably best case scenario, considering the amount of rushing TD rate, the amount of plays and the rushing rate, all that stuff probably goes up as they probably end up running the ball more. Absolutely. If Matt Barkley is there, you know, like that drops him down one spot. So that's good news. I would say for Steph Diggs that he only loses yeah. one spot in the rankings. When you decrease the amount of touchdowns by 16 from an offense, um, if the backup quarterback comes in, but now let's kind of give them a you know, better Falcons type stats, 998, 988 plays, 
rushing rate, jack that up to like 47% and the rushing TD rate. I mean, yes, they can't supposed to be 988, not 9.1 and a rushing touchdown rate of now, let's say 44% and see what happens now to Diggs's numbers. Diggs's numbers now wide receiver number 15. And I would say, I mean, that's not crippling. You're, you're probably, it would cripple you in best ball. Yeah. But in season long, it might not cripple you. Like it's not a good pick at that point, but it's also it would be frustrating. Fair. Yeah. He stays in your lineup for sure at wide receiver 15, yeah. but uh, absolutely a frustrating pick, but yeah, that's, that's if he loses his like hall of fame level starting quarterback. Right. So um, yeah, that's not the baseline assumption for him. Um, but yeah, easy to see how that, when the entire offense looks fundamentally different uh yeah it's gonna have a trickle down impact on literally everybody in the entire offense and you're you're talking about a guy who's gonna see a quarter of the passing volume and he changes dramatically you can imagine what it does for everyone else so essentially with, with making matt barkley the quarterback of the bills from the second play of the year on that makes Diggs as good as devonta smith and t higgins and keenan allen which is pretty good right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that sounds about right I, I think the only way you could continue to ding digs from here is like if you said well the 69 percent catch rate that he has actually when it when case keenum is the quarterback um or excuse me matt barkley is the quarterback maybe that's more like 60 percent. so if you change that from 69 to 60 now he's what i've got wide receiver 26 on my screen yeah but i mean if this ends up being the case i mean you can kind of play it out like what what's the worst that could happen so we would do it that way what's a realistic expectation i mean they'd probably go and get a quarterback they'd be like yeah. uh, hey drew Brees, want to come back and play quarterback for the bills see what happened in here but <laughs> like we have the market share for digs at 25 percent. if barkley's the quarterback it's probably like 35 <laughs> percent. yeah you're not throwing it at anybody else just throw it to the one guy can get open on this offense all right that will do it on the pat mayo experience thanks for walking me through this because i I mean, you've walked me through this before, so I do have an understanding a little bit of how it works now, but I do think that there's a lot of people out there when people talk about projections, they don't they don't quite consider that it's not just a, I mean, obviously the computer is tabulating all the data, but there's a lot more finessing to this than I think that people realize. Exactly. And and one slight hiccup on one data point can have uh, that ripple effect. And so, yeah, it's fun to play around and see what happens. So, yeah, come check us out. Go to runthesims.com and uh, and play around with that. It'd be a, a good thing to, to help you get familiarized with who's on the teams. I mean, heck, it's a good source of rosters, if nothing else. So go see who's on these teams and who threatens to uh, take the workload from your favorite player. It'd be fun to click around. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite part, too. Like when I do all like I'm still in the process of getting myself up to 100 percent speed on football so far this season i'm like 93 percent of the way there then i can really hammer down get the rankings out but i think that playing around with these projections is actually a large part of my process now to again to see that upside to see the downside and like i said with i think that digs one is probably the best example of sort of how my rankings process goes of you know what if shit hits the fan what happens now and as we found out it's not the end of the world it's just not great yeah exactly right so yeah. uh in certain guys, uh, it's not going to be as nice. Yeah, take everything with a grain of salt. Remember that uh, life's fragile, especially for fantasy football players. 100%. So runthesims.com to get your free account, customize your projections any way you like. It would take her around. It's just a lot of fun to go do. And like Justin said, if you're you know, not completely up to date on who's on which roster, this will more than help you out because all the names are there on the rosters right now. So go check that out. Smash the like and sub to the channel. While you're here, we got more fantasy football content coming for you very soon. 
plus all the stuff that's already out that if you haven't watched, I recommend that you go check out right now. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!